Mmm. That's some high quality H2O there. Whoo! Baby, lock them doors and turn the lights down low. Put some music on the stereo. And darling, we ain't got no place to go. I just want to be your man. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. This is Gospel B. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to the podcast. This is Gospel B. <laughs> F. Uh, oh, my bad. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, the podcast One Man, One Tree on a Hill. I'm your host, uh, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian, host of the podcast One Man, One Tree on a Hill. And ladies and gentlemen, if it's your first time checking out this podcast, this is the best time to check it out. This podcast is a podcast about being alone for your own thoughts. And when we're not alone for our own thoughts, it's a time capsule of the most amazing people that we find on this planet. And then after that, if we didn't find any people on the planet, we review One Tree Hill episodes. So that's what this podcast is about. Uh, I, I just got back from Florida. So I've been thinking about gossip. I just realized that nobody grew up the way I grew up. Nobody knows these references about gospel, <laughs> about gospel Bill except people who grew up very religious. And then the people who grew up religious don't even know what I'm talking about. But uh, we'll jump into that later. Let's get to our sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. We've got sponsors on this podcast. All right, folks, this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company. Old Hillside Bourbon Company was a company created out of love for bourbon, friendship, camaraderie, and the idea of quality, time, great conversation, and enjoying good spirits brought this team together. Our vision is fueled by optimism, integrity, and a sense of responsibility to build a successful household of the bourbon brand that people complete and cherish and love. Our story is unique, and we are a collective group of individuals from different career paths and backgrounds. This is our strength as we are able to apply our professional experience to provide the unmatched services to our our customers old hillside bourbon company is our sponsor this podcast uh if you don't know if you're in uh, north carolina a lot of people from the podcast hit me up uh they were in north carolina they got old hillside it was completely sold out they're inside abc stores now they have a launch january 27th will be inside the california will be on the west coast uh, i'll read the article of what happened this is out of the Durham, North Carolina paper. Old Hillside Bourbon Company created a Four Hillside High School loan pays homage to the school's city. 18 months ago, four black entrepreneurs, four black men entrepreneurs with roots in Durham, North Carolina, Emmanuel Waters, Courtney Tucker, Jesse Carpenter, Brian Burton, created an enjoyable bourbon whiskey, now sold in ABC stores in Durham. It all started when Jesse had an idea, picked up the phone, called another man, and another man called another man. They asked, are they all interested in starting this company with them? They agreed. Their story began at Hillside High School in Durham, their alma mater, and where the gentlemen first met. Through their business, Old Hillside Bourbon Company, they are dedicated to paying homage to the origins with the logo and the branding. They aim to be a brand that reminds their customers of the richness and the honoring in their collective history and heritage. Ladies and gentlemen, that's who sponsored this podcast. Shout out to that. And that's dope. <clears throat> let's get into uh, Freakless Woody's. Let's round this whole thing up. Uh, first of all, we'd like to explain why these previous episodes didn't come out. Uh, I signed some uh, NDAs, right? Some NDAs, so I can't talk about certain things. But this artist that we have, we had a really uh, groundbreaking artist that did it. And then all of a sudden, they became on a popular TV show. And their manager asked us to wipe the episode. Wipe the episode. So we wiped like three of them. They all got on part of the same show, uh, which is cool. You know, which is cool. We still got episodes inside the chamber. But as that happens, you know, things change. Some good news. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who celebrated Thanksgiving. It was a wonderful time. We'll get into that. But some better news that's happening this week. Actually, today. Today's Tuesday. Uh, after we finish this podcast, I'm headed to the airport to pick up uh, one of my dearest friends, ladies and gentlemen. This guy's name is Garrett McCall, a.k.a. G-double-O to the D-I-E. Garrett, Garrett McCall, a.k.a. Goody Mobster. 
AKA <laughs> AKA Mr. Roland Doja. Uh if you don't know, Gary McCall is one of our, our producers of the podcast where he does the sound, he does the editing, most of the stuff. If you little backstory when we record all these episodes, we send it to three other people. I review it, uh, we let the people on the podcast review it, and then we send it to Garrett. Garrett does the editing, and that's it. He does the editing. He sends it back like that. He does the music. He does the intro. He does a lot of that stuff. We haven't seen each other. I'm 32. He's, I think he might be 33, since we were, let's see, 14. Since I was 14. I haven't seen him in 20 years. 19. 19 years. Uh, I haven't seen him in 19 years. Uh, but we FaceTime a lot, FaceTime a lot. We never stopped talking after high school, but one of my nearest and dearest friends, and he was supposed to come to New York City, and next thing you know it, boom, he goes, hey, he texts me and goes, uh, I'm coming to New York on Tuesday. Or he said he's going to come on a Wednesday, then he changed his flight. I'm like, F, yeah, come stay at my house. He goes, yeah. I said, F, yeah, man, come stay. He goes, he wants to go around. Uh, I'm going to be doing stand-up. He's, gonna, he's never been to New York before. As an adult, so he's going to be going around doing his own thing. And then uh, I'll still be working, but it's good to just have him. And it's kind of like a Venus flytrap. You know, I don't, you know, I just, actually, I, we freaking just bought a Venus flytrap. Sorry if I get distracted. I got a Venus flytrap, so we're feeding it worms. But sometimes a flytrap, you have to stay patient. And the next year you know it, the prey comes in. Now, chasing Garrett to do a podcast, uh, some of it we do through Zoom because it's easier for people because we're all spread around the world. But, uh... I wanted to get him on this podcast, and he did not <laughs> want to do it. He goes, man, you're not going to have me crying up there. You're not going to have me talking about that. But uh, now he's at my house, so we're going to record every single day, probably hour a day instead of doing four hours. And it might be one of the longest podcasts we do. And I think when you have a rapport with somebody, you can you can, you can can go dive deeper into the, to the brain, to how we see life. Uh, the way me and Garrett were... Not to just, because uh, our podcast is going to be like that, but everything that I felt in life, I would call him, or call my dog Joe, and then they'd be experiencing the same thing throughout since we're like teenagers till now. So we got him, we're picking him up in like, what, freaking four and three hours, we're picking him up, and uh, if you see my IG stories or see anything else, he'll be with us. He'll be with us, and we'll get him on the podcast, and we'll be dropping the episodes and probably parts and parts. So that's what's, that's what's good coming up. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving went very well. Shout out to everybody who celebrates Thanksgiving. Um, I went down to Tampa, Florida. Went down to Tampa, Florida. Me and my lady. Uh, she went down there like maybe a week before I did. Eight days just hanging out with my, my sisters and mother and brother. Like, you know, my family and stuff. And she she's she's getting used to this cold, this cold-blooded weather in New York City. So she's down there in the sun. Uh, they're cooking, doing everything else. I came in. And sometimes it just makes me reevaluate. Because let me break it down for my family. I don't know how anybody else's family are. Like in some like southern families, they have like Madi or Big Mother, like the the matriarch of the family. And on my mother's side, it's her name is Loretta Pruitt, and she passed away when I was in college. But I remember growing up, every don't matter who you are, Thanksgiving was always at her house. Thanksgiving was at her house. She used to drink. She cussed. She did everything. So a lot of my jokes really come from her. And how you know she raised me. I remember a couple fights I got into because of her. I remember, she, I remember she told me we used to do this thing called the Weed and Seed Program, and she lived in Greenville, North Carolina. So we'd come for the summer, and she told me one time I told her I vented to her about this this boy that was bothering me at the camp, 
And she said, what's his name? I said, I don't know, Westmoreland or whatever. And she calls his grandma and goes, hold on. Calls grandma, uh-huh, you are some some grandmother. Yeah, yeah. She said, my grandson's been telling me that boy been bothering. They need to know they just like cousins, and we cousins, and they don't need to fight over there. All right, can you talk to them? She go, yeah. And all of a sudden, they haven't talked in a while, so they start talking. And she go, Lord, uh, I ain't know that his daddy. His daddy is a mailman. They ain't even spoke to him yet. Don't even say nothing to him. So I'm sitting there listening, and my grandmother told me I got to fight him. She goes, you got to fight that boy. So next you know it, I'm about to fight him anyways. But as I'm listening to my grandmother's conversation, she's telling me, like, that boy bother you again. I'm going to need you need to go up there and go ahead and beat that boy up. You know, his daddy, he probably got daddy issues. So instead of me fighting the dude before I fought him, I was just like, I mean, he, got, he steps to me and goes, because uh, we were all like military brats, so we all bounce around. So I talk different, so people say, you talk like a white dude. And next you know, he said it again. So I was like, I'm about to fight him. And I was like, dude, you just mad because your dad don't love you and your dad works for UPS and he sees you every day and drops off, bo- drops off boxes but never drops by to see his son to tell him that he loves him. And when I said that, he just starts crying and he attacks me and we start tussling. We start tussling. I get suspended from like this, this uh, summer program. So I'm with my grandmother and we're sitting in the car. So I ain't tell you to say all that. I said to fight. I didn't tell you to say all that. So her name is Loretta Pruitt. Loretta Pruitt, and uh, uh, if you think about her story, man, she was uh, she had she had children when she was like fourteen, very young. She has five daughters and one son, two sons, and they all were there. So usually every Thanksgiving, we all when she passed away, she said, "Promise me for for all of her kids that every year we do Thanksgiving." You know, as she passes away. So that's what we all promised to do. Pandemic happened. So every daughter and every son has to host Thanksgiving. So the last year was a pandemic. So uh, it was just our intermediate family. But before that, my aunt Jamelva has hosted in Arizona. Then my John C., she hosted it one in D.C. My uncle hosted one in Atlanta and such. And so that's how the, our family works. But it's it's something unique when brothers and sisters get together, like my aunts and uncles they have this shared experience, and I think just like this podcast, a shared experience that only amplifies when you're with someone who has that same shared experience with you. Like seeing my mother and seeing my aunts just talk about their mom. You can talk about how they have got to the point now where the memory is a pleasure to talk about their mother that's passed away. You know, we can talk about like secrets in the family and stuff like that, and I found a very unique you very unique when I was talking to my my aunt about like her 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 kids about you know we all grew up differently right we all grew up differently we all different things and how some of their co- they cousins probably thought that we didn't rock with them like that or I was like man I love my cousins I love my cousins I don't care how different we are and one time I think because you know my dad was in the military so they think that we grew up completely different but I'm like every black person has a shame shared black experience if you're black we've all been you know stopped by the police we've all dealt with racism we've all dealt with everything else so like one thing i do know my family is my family so my cousins when they're in new york they're like jared <laughs> you go hey cuz this is a rough area i'm like dog you don't know the life i've lived man. i've been in several rough areas man you're my family i'll come see you brooklyn staten island don't matter wherever the f we gotta go my brother i'm freaking there <laughs> so it's good just being around that type of love and uh, we played this game called left, right, center. So the whole game is we're not maybe not supposed to play with money, but we play with money. And my mom, she's she's such a mother. Don't don't post this on Facebook. That people think we're gambling over here. 
I said, Mom, who? I didn't say this, but I was like, man, nobody. Get, well, I did tell her, man, nobody gives an F. She goes, you, you, you cursing now? You cursing now? I said, no, nobody gives an F. Like EFF, nobody cares, man. Let's freaking let's have a good time. We played that. Everybody gets a dollar. Everyone gets three dollars, right? And then you roll the dice. However, money you get is how much dice you get left, right, center. So whatever the dice rolls in, you have to pass the money to the left, right, the center. The center is the pot. Then at the end, whoever has the less Whoever has the last, the most amount of money remaining, when there's no money left, you get to keep the pot. So we do that. My cousins, uh, James and Jacob, they're twins. They're twin ministers. And then my cousins, they, uh, my uncle didn't make it, but his wife came, which is my aunt, my aunt Lisa. And it was dope to have her. We took all the pictures looking like Kurt Franklin and the family. And the thing about when you get family, take, can you take this picture? Can you, can you do this? Can you do this? So it was, so it was good. So food was great. Everything else is just like something being in that Florida sun, man, just makes your body feel well. And sometimes I know that I work, you know, I work pretty hard, you know, you know, you know, day walker by day, stand up at night. And uh, sometimes you don't get that time to just take off. So my family hits me up like, you got any comedy shows in Florida? I say, you know, I do. <laughs> you know, I do. I stack some shows. So Thanksgiving was great. We all had good food. And then Friday little backstory i'm opening up for steve burns so steve burns is a stand-up comic one of the first asian comedians who had his own talk his own his own uh tv show called sullivan and son right i met him when i was 19 years old at east carolina university and he was doing stand-up like doing naca uh college tours and he he doesn't remember this but i told him the story but he doesn't remember he's you know done shows he's like done 28 years of comedy and i'm like at 10 Nine, nine, I'm going on ten. Nine, 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 let's see, 2012. I'm nine years in, nine years in. I don't count my college years because I was a lost, lost cause. But, uh, yeah, I would say nine, eight, going on nine, almost ten years. Pandemic, yeah. So uh, we're at the Comedy Cellar. The Comedy Cellar is one of the most infamous comedy clubs in the world, and a lot of the, the OGs go there. If you're past the Comedy Cellar, that's how it is. If you're not past the Comedy Cellar, a lot of people go there. It's just like a hang, a hang where you... You know, famous comics are there. You eat food. You break bread with people. So we're sitting at the cellar. My stomach is effed up. I'm going outside, and my friend Trina, a.k.a. Trinidad, she goes, Jared, I'm inside. I'll take you home because we all live in the same area. I was like, cool. I said, I'm not catching the train, so I'm sticking around. And as I go in there to sit down, Steve Burns sits at my table that I'm sitting at, and I was like, hey, and I want to talk to him about his movie because I was like, hey, man, this movie you did, the opening act, freaking fire, man. Cedric the Entertainer. Dude, I love Cedric. He's like such a great actor. And he goes, oh, yeah, thank you. And he talks about the movie. And then he goes, I, I'm, so, just, I'm sorry to mistake. Where have we met before? And then I told him, this is how, this is how God works. I was like, last year during Thanksgiving, your family lives in, uh, lives in Florida, like Tampa. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know? I said, because last, last year you did, a, I did a, you did a guest spot for Steve Simone. He goes, yeah, Steve Simone. I was, I was featuring for him that weekend. And you dropped in, and you did like 15 minutes. You were working on your new hour. He goes, yes, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, she had a great set. And I was like, good. And he goes, how are you doing in New York City? I said, I'm doing good, man. I'm taking what the defense gives me. He goes, are you in Tampa or are you in New York? I said, I've been in New York going on five years. I never left. I only leave once a year for Thanksgiving and maybe vacations. And he goes, uh, oh, okay, good, good, good. He goes, well, how are you doing in New York City? I was like, it's good. You know, I, you know what clubs do you play at? I said, like, I play at Broadway, Greenwich Village, Eastfield Comedy Club. Because you Gotham or this, 
I said, uh, every now and then, but not not so much there. He goes, all right, well, let's let's see if we can help you out. And now when comics say that, I've said I've heard that from several comedians. You know, a lot of comics said when I came to New York, they said they would not not to be grumpy, but they say like I would help you. But you know, they 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 full of bull. <laughs> you know, they're being, you know, whatever. You know, they're saying anything because they don't expect you to move to New York. So when you call their number and they're just like they'll not answer or anything else. No, but come back to that story. The reason why I said that. So Burns goes, uh, all right. Well, uh, when's the next time you're going to be in Florida? I was like, I'm going to be in Florida uh, next week for Thanksgiving. Oh, really? He goes, me too. I was like, oh, you're with your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, going to be at McCurdy's Comedy Club. I was like, oh, yeah, I know McCurdy's. I used to, yeah, young comic. We always, that used to be uh, one of our destinations. He goes, you want to feature for me? Now, if you don't know about anything about featuring stand-up comedy, if you ever go to a comedy show outside of New York City, if you live in Texas, if you live in, like, the South, there are feature act is the middle act. The host is the guy that welcomes you in, and the headline is the, the guy at the end that you got you paid money to see. So the feature act does twenty five minutes to thirty minutes. He goes, "Come feature for me." Pretty good money out there. I was like, "Yeah, f yeah, I'll do it." He goes, "Yeah, give me your email," and then he goes, "Here's my phone number. Take it down. Write me tomorrow." Now I think you know, you know, maybe he had a beer or so. Maybe you know, maybe he's serious. Text him the next day. I sent him a video clip. Hey, this is Jared Waters, black dude with the beer we met last night. Uh, these are the comics that can vouch for me. This is what I've done. And he goes, hey, no problem. I got you on the show. Let's do it. Boom. <laughs> Excuse me. So we get down Friday, and uh, it's it's a good show. It's Florida show. And McCurdy's, it's in Sarasota, Florida. Sarasota is, Sarasota, Florida is like the age frame is 50 and up. Like Tampa's more of a younger city, but Sarasota, everybody in this crowd looks like they're in their 50s and up. And then the 10 o'clock show would be the, younger slash 40 and up, maybe 35. You might see some young people in there. This dude's a wizard, man. He's freaking, his new hour is freaking fire. I can't, I can't even, reg- I, I know the jokes in the back of my head of all the jokes that he did, and he was just beating the piss out of the crowd. And Ken, Ken, Ken Jones is the host. And uh, I told him, he's like, he's one of the partners there at McCurdy's. And he goes, Jerry, you look pretty familiar. As I started in Tampa, Florida, man, like I remember coming up to McCurdy's and I was a young comedian. This is how how life works. I remember being a young comic, 23, 24, 23, 24, 22. I used to write in McCurdy all the time, man. I would love to do a guest spot here. Then you'd get a guest spot. Then McCurdy would watch you for 15 minutes. He goes, all right, I think you're ready for a feature act. And I remember all these emails back and forth about doing stuff. And then now... Seeing it now come full circle is like, oh, man, Jerry, you're such a strong comic. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I live in New York. It's made me better. And then I had to adjust some of my jokes because some of them were not New York jokes, but they were, like, talking about some references, like, I do a joke about how crazy New York is, and people from Florida don't give enough about New York because they're from Florida. It's like, no, give us the Florida jokes. Like, All right, I got something for you too, baby. Okay, Turbo. So we did the show. And then Saturday, go back home, hang out with my family, and then we go to Top Shop Golf. And you know, it's I used to think I was good at golf until I was recorded. After record, I, I look, I, I, I don't look like I have any type of form. I said looked on TV thinking I was Tiger Woods. Definitely, I looked like a handy. Uh, <laughs> I hit like freaking Charles Barkley. But we did that as a family. So the second show, go back to McCurdy. It's like an hour from my house. Zip, straight shot. As soon as you get on, as soon as you get on. Not I-4. As soon as you get to the left. Yeah, yeah, so we get there. And the second show was completely different. This is how crazy it is. This lady sent a letter to Steve Burns saying, Hey, my godson is here from New York. We would really like it if you could make fun of him. We're sitting right in the front. 
the waiter gives the waiter gives him the note after the show, not during the show. And he just gets on stage and starts effing with this dude and everything fits and then at the end I'm like, Oh, what the freak? It happens. And then the second show, this is the first time he ever kicks him out the crowd. <clears throat> but it kicks him out the crowd and then I'm not gonna lie, I blew the light. Like the lights when you need to get off stage, I'm supposed to do like thirty. I did like thirty five. I'm like, man, I gotta I gotta show him I got bars, right? So we're talking back there and it finally opens up. There's a certain window with a comedian that you have. You can't do it after your set because a comic's warming up. You know, in between that, that there's a sweet spot where you can get information. We call it the juice. The juice is what me and Cam Bertrand, Rio, Paris, all everybody else, we call it the juice. So to get the juice from a certain comedian, it can happen at the Comedy Cell if you're in New York when everyone's sitting down talking and they can just drop some gems on you. Uh, you could be, if you know, talking about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, he loves talking about comedy. So if you're ever hanging out somewhere where he is and he wants to talk about comedy, you'll get the juice there. Um, so there's a certain amount of times if you're you're the host, like if you work at Side Splitters, if you're hosting that night, you drive the comedian around in the car and that's where you get the juice in the car because you're developing a type of relationship and a bond because you're in the car, you're driving, and they're going to start a conversation with you. That's where you can get the juice. So we're in between in the green room, and he starts telling the juice about how Vince Vaughn, him and Vince Vaughn developed a relationship. Vince Vaughn produced his TV show. Vince Vaughn produced his his movie that he did. And I was like, oh, now it makes sense. And I asked him, like, yo, how did you start writing these pilots and start writing these things? And he goes, Vince Vaughn tells him, you should just make a movie. Start writing it. He goes, what? He goes, you're a comic. You can write jokes. You can write a movie. You can write a script. So write it. So he bought all these books, and that's how he taught himself. I was like, wow. I said, you take any classes? He goes, no. Taught myself. So he goes, Jerry, you should start writing. And I, I write a lot. I have tons of sketches and tons of pilots and tons of, uh, what do you call it? Um, is it called? It's called, what is it called when you? Spec scripts. That's what it's called. A spec script is when you're writing like your own episode to a series that's already there. You're writing a spec script. So a lot of people that I know wrote spec scripts, and the spec script goes online. Like this dude, he's a stand-up comic. He wrote a spec script about Seinfeld, if 9-11 happened during Seinfeld, and his spec script got all these reviews, and then he became a writer for a TV show. So spec script didn't happen. So it was a great weekend, a great weekend with him. And then Sunday, I hit up BT. BT's the owner of Side Splitters. And I lit him up in advance, like, hey, man, I'm coming to town. If you have any guest spots available? And he goes, yeah, don't worry, we'll take care of you. And then all of a sudden, Steve Burns hits me and goes, come feature for me. So I tell BT, hey, I'm good, but I'm coming through Sunday. I'm coming through for Comments Night Out, which is like the open mic that all the comics do. I hit up the guys I started with, Camp Bertrand, Rio Paris. Those are the guys. If you don't know Camp Bertrand, is from America's America's next top no America's got talent. So we all started together coming up in Florida. We were all like the guys comedians just, you know, every mic we used to go together so it felt good seeing them again. So what happened was uh this is how crazy God God works at just being a nice person. So Saturday night something happens in Tampa where the feature act, which is the middle act, gets cut out the show. He gets too drunk. They cut him out. And the headliner, I'm just going to leave the headliner's name out. The headliner doesn't want to work, and they go, I want to put my guest spot to do 25 minutes. Owner's like, no, 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 no. We got somebody coming in. He's a local guy. He lives in New York City now. And the headliner really doesn't know who I am, but this is how it is. The the act that she, the, <laughs> the act that this headliner brought goes, 
what's the person's name who's coming? Jared Waters. And she lights up and goes, Jared Waters? That was the only comic that was nice to me in New York City when I came. He was the only one that showed me around and have, was nice to me and my wife. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, that goes back to, goes back to like, like when I got to New York, I had nobody. I was, I didn't know anybody. Every comic that I knew that said they would help me wouldn't even help me, except a few, like Nick Griffin, DC Benny. But uh, I had to figure it out on my own. So when people come from different states or when people don't know anything, I'm always like, hey, man, these are some good shows to check out. Here's a list of uh, open mics if you want to do open mics. Here's a list of comedy shows, a list of all the bookers in New York City that I've developed over the years. You should try to go to these shows. I'm always that type of person, right? So then she tells the headliner, and the headliner goes, oh, really? So the headliner watches my set. And, uh, you know, I'm in Tampa. That's my home tub. So I'm, I'm freaking lighting that, <laughs> lighting, I'm lighting this room up. This is my hometown. I started in this club. I used to be, you know, many nights, late nights at this club. So uh, the, the headliner watches my set, but you can feel the headliner does not want to parlay with me. Like she, God, I'm saying she, whatever. So the headliner's not giving me any juice, right? She's not giving me any juice because in her mind, she when she came up in comedy, she came when, you know, men were not as nice to women. So her goal is to help female comics, which I understand. You know, you're trying to help your people. Right, but they don't live in New York City, so the 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 all the juice that she was dropping for them, it works. But it's it it's it's it only works if you're in New York City. It's not gonna work in Tampa, or it's not gonna work in wherever they're from because you can't get up every night, and you're not here. So when you leave, they gotta grind it out how it is supposed to be. I think comedy, not to get detergent detergent, because that's what I do for a living. I think comedy in New York City is like a prison, right? There's a women's prison. There's a men's prison, right? And men look after for men. Well, I can't even say that. It's by color. Like brown comics look after brown comics. White comics look out for white comics. The Spanish comics, they link together. And black comics, there's a group within black comics. But the thing about black people is not to get too, but whatever. Black people wait since there's so small opportunities for black people. Black people wait to a person's great before they reference him. But when the black person's already great, he doesn't need a reference. But with white comics, they take a chance on somebody mediocre because they want to have a shot to help somebody. So this comic, what she's doing is she's taking a chance on like younger comedians, younger female comics, and stuff like that. And you know, you know, I always play devil's advocate. I'm like, well, there's some I know I can name like five funny women of color that could use this look. But it's neither here nor there. Great show. So after the show. Is the open mic, and this is this is we this is used to be the hyperbolic chamber, like a wolf den, and it's so amazing seeing younger comedians because when I left Tampa, I left five years ago, and all these comics are just very young. They're very young, and you know they remember me, but you know I don't remember them because you know it wasn't my classic comics. So I go to the guy running the open mic. I say, Hey, I'm gonna do the open mic. He goes, Oh, you are? You just did a show earlier. Show. I say, Yeah, and I'm gonna do an open mic. So me, Cam. And Rio, I said, put us back to back. And he goes, hey, man, I, I can't do that, man. That it's, <laughs> I can't do that. It'll suck for another guy. And I'm like, man, when we came up, that's how it used to be. We, it was a bloodbath when we came up. So Cam, yeah, he has a fire set. Rio's <laughs> Rio has a fire set. And um, and I get up working on some jokes, and they we all tag each other up. That's how we come up. A tag is like a little funnier joke or like little words that you might not thought of for your set is to make the joke better. 
So we all would tag each other up. So Cam gives me some tags about the story that I'm doing, and BT is the owner. I don't want to rant about comedy. We're only 30 minutes. My bad. So BT is the owner. BT hasn't seen us all together in a while. He goes, let's all take a picture. I was like, let's take a picture. My lady takes a picture. And uh, it's just a family, man. It's just a family. Like, I, I miss that. I miss that 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 part of the family. I have a family here in New York, but like seeing how just remembering all these good times, talking about how we came up in comedy, it's just a family vibe. But at the same time I got the whole vibe of just like this is this was your family, but now you live in New York and I can get up, you know, I've all, I got I've done over 600 shows this year. This is the most shows I've ever done in New York and I'm only getting better. I couldn't have done that in Tampa. So, we wrap up Get back to work, right? And back in New York City. Back in New York City. Uh, this last week was the first time we changed our comedy show. If you don't know, a lot of people come to our show. We've got like 80 people that come to our show. Shout out to everybody listening to the podcast. You guys really pack out the show. We uh, moved the show from Astoria Park to Arcadia Bar. Everybody told me it would be too cold, but I feel like it's not cold at all. But first show is at a bar. It's fun. It's fun. The owner and uh, the bartender really likes comedy. So he sets up the microphone as soon as we get there, and uh, it's good. We're working on turning off the TVs and stuff like that, but it, the first show was really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, oh, yeah, first show was very good. Matthew, uh, we're working on him getting on time, but I want to say congratulations to Matthew Arvalo, him and Lisa and J.C. Mendoza. They had their first sold-out show at the stand called Bodega Kids. They've been doing the show like for like almost a year, but they finally did it together. And I had to talk to Matthew about uh, about his attitude, right? Uh, Matthew, you know, I, I talk about this whole podcast. Matthew asks me all the time. We're sending the show. goes, yo, why don't we have a podcast together? Some comic, some big comic asked me, like, why don't you and Matthew do a podcast together? I said, because the way I yell at him now, I wouldn't want to do this on a podcast the whole time. And I have my own. But uh, I, so, I see myself in him all the time, and I try to tell him all the time. I was like, dog, you got to, you have to let go. And you have to re-humble yourself, and you have to put in work. So I was like, even though, I said, you just can't show up and think people are going to let you do what you want to do. You have to contribute. Uh, I told him, I was like, you got to promote the shows. You got to do everything else. I said, because they can easily ice you out. I said, these comics that you're working with, even though they're young comedians, they're going to get better in two years. And in two years, they're not going to need you. They're not going to need you because they can do it by themselves. I said, you have to start contributing. You have to start Stop being so angry and stuff like that. Matthew's always trying to prove himself, which is cool. I always try to prove myself in comedy. I said, but, dog, you have to realize, as a man, you have to contribute. If everyone says show up at 8 o'clock, you need to be there at 8 o'clock. If everyone's doing this, you need to make sure you're doing this. And you should always, you know, you don't have to worry about proving anybody wrong. You know, I went, I remember this whole story. I remember this coach cut me in football. His name is Coach Gaddy. I remember he cut me, told me I wasn't a good football player, and I was beating the piss out of people. And that's not me. I was slamming people, everything else. I remember, <clears throat> again, my freshman year, I don't know what it was. I remember we went back to North Carolina, and I told him, I was like, oh, man, I'm, I showed him all the yards I got, everything else, and he didn't know who I was. So sometimes if you're trying to prove somebody wrong, there's no point. You're in a race amongst yourself. So uh, I'm hard on Matthew. I'm just, I'm just freaking hard. That's what it is. I'm hard on Matthew. But they had their first sold-out show, and he freaking destroyed it. They did their thing, and it's good to see people just linked together. You know what I'm saying? 
I want to say a shout out to uh, Vanessa Jackson, right? We got we're on a time schedule. I got to pick up this dude from the airport, get her Garrett McCall. But Vanessa Jackson, I want to wish her happy birthday. She uh, she got a relaxer in her hair, so she was sitting there looking all pretty. You know, <laughs> not saying she's not pretty, but she had the hair all down and stuff. And Vanessa Jackson is a writer for Saturday Night Live, and it's amazing. I know somebody that writes for Saturday Night Live, but it's still she's just regular degular still doing stand up, wanting to get better. But we're sitting there. We wish her happy birthday, and I was like, I know you're gonna celebrate. You're gonna be working on your birthday. And she goes, Yeah, but she gets her nails done, hair's done. And as we're sitting out there talking, because, you know, she walks to the same train that I walk to, black woman, you know, you know, as we're walking, and Chris Rock walks past us. And I, whew, I'm a groupie, man. What the freak? That's the that's my favorite comic of all time. I was like, yo, look at Chris Rock. And I was like, everybody was like, chill. Like, you right, you right, you right. Be cool, baby. Everybody be cool. Everybody, everybody all right. Everybody cool, be cool. I've probably seen Chris Rock a lot of times. But it's, Chris Rock is my favorite comedian of all time, man. My favorite comic. Dave Chappelle's really great. I love Dave Chappelle, but I love Chris Rock. I feel like Chris Rock is the first person that brings politics together, and he he makes big ideas small to make you understand, like, politics, corporations, everything else, uh, what's going on. And I realized, I, I thought of a funny story, a funny thing to say to Chris Rock, because I watched his movie Top you ever watched his movie Top 5? Uh, Chris Rock does this thing in all of his movies where he has these ad libs, and it's the funniest thing. You ever watch uh, uh, Head of State? He's the head of state. He feels good. Things are going well. He just might be the president someday. He's the head of state. That's my freaking show, right? My freaking movie. But uh, inside the <laughs> inside the movie, he has all these ad libs where he's doing like, uh, I asked my daughter, what's four plus four? She said 44. And then somebody goes, that ain't right. And someone goes, it is. <laughs> he has all these ad-libs. And his movies is funny. So I know he was walking by and I saw, I said, I said, yell out, yo, Hammy, what's up, Hammy? Hammy, what's up, Hammy? It's Hammy time. Inside his movie Top 5, they kept yelling that when he was walking. Uh, I don't want to piss him off, but I want to do that. Sometimes you shouldn't meet people that you look up to. I did that to a comic that I used to look up to and now I, I'm I'm ashamed to say that I was her, her biggest fan, <clears throat> but I met Chris, I, I saw Chris Rock. I met him a few times, but it's it's nothing memorable. But uh, he probably doesn't remember when he met me. I did catfish him when I was in uh, high school, when I was in college. That's when uh, Facebook came out. He didn't know how to use it, and he was just writing me. I wrote him. He would write me back, and I did the dumbest thing as a like nineteen year old, twenty year old comic. 21 year old comic and I was like uh, said something to me he responded back oh freak Chris Rock then I sent him all my videos of doing stand up and me at 21 doing stand up is 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 not that great it's not that great as a man now but that was my that was that was my uh, that was that one uh, shows have been good this week so training day was good then after that I did Jamie Roberts room Jamie Roberts is one of the uh, he started a club in Harlem. Jamie Roberts is probably one of my my big homies. He's the first comic that gave me like consistent stage time in New York City. So every time he hits me to do a show in Harlem, I was like, "Yeah, I'm there, man. F it, I'm there." Black people, we started so it's it's a black show. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, it's a black show. So it says seven o'clock, but we might start around seven forty-five. The only difference is now I got spots at like eight forty-five, so I gotta go up early. So I done the show before, but this time it's a unique 
way when you're dealing with black crowds, especially older black people. These people are like 37 and up. I ain't no young people inside there. These are like grown and sexy people. And sometimes when black people are late, they not the black, these some ghetto black people, right? You don't want to make them feel like they're the problem of the show because it could go down, right? We're in East Harlem. And I remember Jamie roasted somebody. He was like, hey, yo, my man. Everybody was like, yo, chill, yo, chill. Security. These, these ain't good security guys. They got knock knees and stuff like that. They big, but you can tell they're not trying to fight. So I had a group of like seven women walk in during my set, and they're being loud, right? And I turned to the audience, and the audience is looking at me like, you better say something because, yo, we pay money, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, ladies, how are we? Good to see you. We single? Well, what's our dating status? Uh, for now, I was like, I'm single as a bit. I was like, does your man know you're single? And then she busts out laughing. We all start laughing. I brought them back together. Show went well. But I could tell. The way that audience was, they didn't want to hear kindergarten jokes. They wanted to hear just jokes. I just did family jokes, and it was hidden. And I've been working on this bit about uh, about about cougars, and I did it in Harlem, and it got a it got a whole applause break. And the thing about black people that I love, black people laugh with their body, so yeah, and they scream like ah, <laughs> so they, they scream. So I couldn't tell if if somebody died in there. But uh, I shoot, I got a clip of it. Hey, hey, if you're on Instagram and you want to be up, y'all screaming like somebody died up in here. Ricky! Hey, we're just having a good time. Did this show in another show, and it's like a, a different, like a mainstream. Some people call it urban mainstream. Applause breaks, different reactions, but it was good knowing that the joke works in both places. So I did that. That show was great. And uh, I've been recently, like, all these, I'm getting blown up right now. All these people hitting me up, man. Uh, so uh, <coughs> I get back from Florida. I'm realizing it's December now, right? December, I got 20, 21 days. It's December 7th. We got 23 more days to finish out the year, folks. 23 more days to finish out the year. And, you know, maybe, maybe your goals ain't all the way done. You know, some things I realize I've left off the table. But I think it's very good to take a break. Not take a break, but make sure you reflect and do things, you know. I'm trying to be a better, better, better man, trying to be a better lover, trying to do everything else. I got to have my priorities together. And it's it's day by day, brick by brick, about making yourself better. I uh, found a new church, right? Still divorcing my church. I'm still going there, but we're not separated yet, but I just... I just want more, you know. I need, I need. Sometimes I gotta just be around black people. I need some people that could just cry out to God like Jesus. I need that. Go to this new church, which is which is good, not too far away from my house. But I was like, man, they were about trying pushing two hours. I, was like, I can't be in there for two hours, dog. <laughs> but I'm still still looking for still looking for a church. Uh, I'm gonna check one email. Did I see? Oh yes, did I see the three six mafia bone thugs and harmony? Yes, I did. I uh, Wednesday night after we finished our show. I did another show. I did like two shows, and then I uh, came back and watched it. And dude, I love Three Six Mafia, man. I remember like my mom. I remember I was like, my dad, I forgot what it was. People, I remember people were like, "That's devil worshiping music." But I remember this guy. His name was Brajas. No, it wasn't Brajas. It was Tua. Tua. Oh, I forgot his name. Ben Tua. Yeah, Ben Tua. Ben Tua. This dude I met in Japan. This big brolic. Samoan dude and he had a bigger brother and these Samoans they they used to play football with no like socks on <laughs> they used to play with no socks on 
And when they hit you, that thing hurt. They would hit you with no pads. But his older brother, I remember he was on bass, and it was, I remember he played this 3-6 Mafia, and we used to be like, mm, ain't it? We listen to 3-6 Mafia all the time. So, like, 3-6 Mafia was my group. So I'm glad it went well. I love, I love freaking Southern music. And I really think culturally, like, if you're from the Midwest, some songs hit different than, like, they, 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 they had the, the concert in California. Like, if they had that concert in Memphis or Atlanta, people would have been. People would have been hurt at that. People would have been hurt at that freaking concert, man. But, yeah, I did watch that. Uh, other emails. Okay, okay, good. Yes, Kanye West's deluxe album. Freak is fire. I love that, too, man. I, uh, dude, I wish Donda came out when I was in high school, man, or came out when I was in. I feel like Kanye now is pretty much every every person who grew up religious or grew up religious that loved rap music and loved to cuss and have a good have a, have a good time. I personally I personally don't curse at all. It's just something I just don't do. I I haven't cursed since like high school. I just I cut it out of my vocabulary. I don't mean I'm better than anybody. Don't curse on stage in any way. I just realize as 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 a black man, when you limit curse words, you have a dead, better better words to to use and define. Especially showing frustration. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely listened to that. And oh, back to Gospel Bill that we talked in the beginning. See a callback. I never knew. Like my parents tried to shield us from like different shows. So we used to watch Gospel Bill. Gospel Bill was like this white, <laughs> this white cowboy, and then he had a guy named Jiffero or something like that. They were cowboys. Then every at the end of the show, it was like it's like Veggie Tales, but for like cowboys. I feel like nobody's believing about gospel. I'm about to play it. This is actually a real show, Gospel Bill. Here we go. Next on the Gospel Bill Show. Hey, Miss Lena, I need you to send a telegram to the Reverend Sly from me. Invite him to come preach right here in Dry Gulch. Well, have you talked to Parson Trotter about this? Well, what would I want to go and do a thing like that for? Well, because he's your pastor. If you're going to use the church, you need to ask him. It was a show about just... Thinking back, I used to think these guys were heroes, man. Like, I used to think, like, I thought Gospel Bill was as big as freaking Leonardo DiCaprio. And turns out nobody knows who Gospel Bill is. I was like, y'all ever watched Gospel Bill growing up? They're like, what? Gospel Bill? But growing up in a religious household, they would do things that keep us away from certain things. But then I got into BET Uncut and Good God of Heaven. <laughs> Sorry, we got producers in the studio. All right, folks, so look, this is the podcast. Uh, Wednesday, our show every Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Astoria, uh, excuse me, Astoria, Arcadia Bar and Kitchen. That's where the show is now. Thursday's Comedy Night Live. Thursday, Comedy Night Live. Friday, Southern Playlistic Comedy Show. Uh, this Friday, I'll be at Broadway Comedy Club at 9 and 10. I'll be at Greenwich Village at 8 and 11.30. And Saturday, I'll be at Broadway Comedy Club 9 and 11.10. And Friday, I'll be at Three Monkeys Bar. Sunday, I will be at uh, Black, uh, I think I'll be Greenwich. Oh, I got to look at my calendar. Here we go. I'll be at The Lantern at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I will be uh, at night. I will be at the Black Black as F show. That is at Old Man Hustle. I'll be at that show. And then Sunday, I'll be at Greenwich Village. Uh, then Monday, Monday, I will be 
at Three Monkeys again. And Tuesday, uh, we update. I get different shows on Tuesdays, so I'll be doing then. Also, next week, we'll be dropping the podcast again. We'll be dropping an episode with another special guest. We got everything cleared and no NDAs. Everything's good. And my dog, Garrett, he's coming in two hours. So as the year wraps up, we got 23 days left, folks, 23 more days left. We're not getting any younger. We're all getting older. So think smarter. Work smarter, not harder, whatever that means. Yeah, work smarter, not harder. Get some NFTs if you got it. Get that cryptocurrency, whatever you got to do. Hustle and bustle, man. But make sure you take the time to enjoy yourself and to love yourself. You know, I I realized when I was with my family, like listening to, you know, all my, my aunts talk, I started to miss uh, my aunt Dee. Uh, she passed away, I think maybe two, two, two years. Maybe it's because her birthday's coming up December 13th. And, uh, you know, as a, as her birthday comes up, sometimes, you know, as a man, I get mad at myself. Not even as a man, as a person, you know, I get mad at myself because I felt like I have all this equipment. I had this equipment three years ago, and I s- talked to her about, like, I need to get on a podcast and stuff like that. And I guess I assumed that she would live longer. And sometimes I'm mad at myself because when I was over there, we just had a good time. But I'm mad I didn't hit that record button and, like, have her thoughts and have her thoughts live on. I have stuff that I recorded that, you know, personal conversations that we recorded. But being Thanksgiving made me realize, like, man, I did cherish my moment with her. But I realized you know, I'm never going to talk to her again until, you know, the afterlife. And that's the scariest part with me is the afterlife. You know, I'm that's. I'm freaking scared as F about dying and heaven and hell. That scares the piss out of me to this day. That's why when people ask, like, Jared, do you ever sleep? Probably not. I don't like sleeping. I'm an early bird and a late owl. I don't like sleeping. It's too close to death to me. You know, uh, being as religious as I am, I don't want to meet Jesus right now at all. I'm trying to stay on this earth as long as possible. So I'm thinking about my deed as I'm, you know, just hanging out with my family and realizing, like, man, she had, she just had her husband. She had no kids. And I remember during Mother's Day, she would write me and be all like, I don't have any kids. And I'm just like a mother to you, Jared, and for you not to wish me Mother's Day. And I used to be like, you're not my mom. She goes, I am like your mom. <laughs> I am like your mother. And I realize now, these past two years, as she's been gone, and you know, I used to do every Saturday morning, 6 a.m., we used to do a prayer. I'd wake up in the morning and we'd call on a prayer line. We'd pray for each other. Everyone had to pray. You know, I'd be dead tired praying. And I needed that those first few years in New York City because, man, I was man, I was praying just to, get a, just to get a show, man. That's all I want. Like Trinidad James, just need a little help like Marlon Wayans and Six, man. I just needed one show. That's all I wanted was one show. And now I got freaking mother effing five shows a day sometimes, four shows a day. I'm at you know, almost 650 shows, but it was, or 500, five, almost at 650, but I was just like thinking to my aunt deep and just realizing like, yo, cherish these moments, man. Don't work so hard that you forget to spend time with your loved ones. And I realized like, man, all this time I could have took maybe a show off and just sit down with her for an hour and a half and just have her intimate thoughts. And I don't got it. And um, you know my, if, you know if we were in the studio. If I wasn't around all these people, you know I would cry. 
You know, to be honest with you, I, I cry alone. You know, I should start recording like with the lights off or, or something like that. You know, but uh, yeah, it makes me miss just people around me, man. Like that, I'm freaking my brother. Uh, during Thanksgiving, he uh, was touring his, you know, the the bourbon brand that we do, who were sponsored by Black Business, and he runs into old Coach Hal, which is uh, my dog Shamar's dad, man. And I think the hardest thing for me is talking to the people that I, I, I grew up with. We have a shared experience, you know, because I start to miss. I start to miss people that were in my life that are no longer here, you know. And sometimes you work hard to bury these type of emotions. Maybe I should see a therapist that I'm not hustling. <laughs> Sometimes you can laugh to keep from crying. But uh, if you got a tear left, shed it for somebody, man, before you don't have them left. Uh, Jessica Lopez, we hope this baby comes out, madam. Uh, we hope this baby comes out. Uh, she was going. We're gonna get her on the podcast, but she literally is. She's literally supposed to have. She's supposed to have the baby, and uh, we're monitoring it. We're monitoring it. <laughs> But shout out to everybody. Uh, I'm on, like when I'm in between shows, I just love, I love watching people's stories. So send me anything funny. Uh, this is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian, host of the podcast. This is a time capsule of thoughts, a, pi- a podcast about the most interesting people in the world. We got a few people coming up this week. Uh, we're going to be recording with my dog, Garrett McCall, a.k.a. G-Double. We're going to be getting inside his head. He's going to be fighting me on a lot of stuff. I know he will. But I want to say thank you for supporting this podcast. Forgive us for not the consistency, inconsistency for, you know, it's corporate stuff. But we got it under control. We're going to probably go like one episode a week now. One episode a week, you know, as the pandemic has opened up. Uh, my, my schedule's crazy, but we take this time to, like Andre 3000 said, I can't afford not to record. So uh, thank you. Shout out to the sponsors. We got some new sponsors coming in. Shout out to my dog, a.k.a. Joe Sappho, a.k.a. Uh, Dr. Sappho. We appreciate you saving lives, you know what I mean? And uh, love somebody. And if you love somebody, give them a hug and hug somebody. My name is Jared Waters. Have a wonderful night. Peace and many blessings. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I, said, I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said, and I said, uh-uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And then she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.